you couldn't have possibly mathematically made this contract any better, which means clearly that Mark Bergevin was in the bathroom when it was signed. <laughs> and he Former Dallas Stars, let's start with that uh, as we welcome you to this 442nd episode of Unscripted. Uh, early December, the Dallas Stars, you know, and it's funny because the Dallas Stars made the playoffs last year under their first-year head coach, Jim Montgomery. He had come to the Dallas Stars after having been a successful coach at the collegiate level with the University of Denver. Um Jim Montgomery was just, I, I didn't see any of this coming when he was let go and, and released from his contract as the head coach of the Dallas Stars in early December of 2019. And it finally came out this week that the reason for his dismissal was this. Former Stars coach Jim Montgomery has checked himself into an alcohol rehabilitation center over the past few days. And I guess, again, there is the reason that he was let go in early December by the Stars. Now, Montgomery did receive a DUI when uh, back in Florida, in the state of Florida back in 2008, which the Stars knew about when they hired him. But obviously, some of his demons had resurfaced as the head coach of the Dallas Stars. Uh, when he was fired, if the season had ended in early December, the Dallas Stars would have qualified for the playoffs. So the Dallas Stars did not fire their coach because of any bad coaching he was doing. It was because some of his demons came back and obviously had, had uh, who knows what happens. I mean, alcohol is a very funny thing. And, and, uh, and when you abuse it, there are a lot of bad things that can happen. There aren't a lot of good things that happen when you abuse alcohol. But we had not been told whether in, in social media or on the internet or in a newspaper or wherever, Wherever you find your sports news, we were not really given a reason why the Dallas Stars organization and, and general manager Jim Nill decided to make this decision by firing, at the time, their successful head hockey coach, Jim Montgomery. And remember, folks, last year, in that improbable run to the Stanley Cup championship, the St. Louis Blues had a hell of a time getting out of their series with the Dallas Stars. Dallas played very well last year, made the playoffs, uh, gave the the Blues a, a, gave them all that they wanted when they met in the playoffs last year, and then in early December Montgomery gets fired, and we find out it's because some of his demons uh, have resurfaced, and uh, he has checked himself into an alcohol rehabilitation center. And my question to you, Chris, on this one: Now that this has come out, now that people know that there was a DUI in Florida in 2008. And now they know that he's checked him in. He's checked himself into one of these alcohol rehab places. Do you think Jim Montgomery gets another chance to lead an NHL team somewhere down the road after he's successfully completed this rehabilitation stint? Uh, yes, I do. If nothing else comes out, because right. some, something is, seems wrong about this to me, because these days... You can have a substance abuse issue and then, you know, people feel sorry for you and want you to get help and all that. And it's not like if you rape someone, and everyone hates you. It's like if you just have a you just have trouble with alcohol or with some drug, 
people like, oh, okay, we'll go get help. And I wouldn't have been surprised if that's all that's going on. I almost would have expected the stars to, you know, give him a leave of absence and go to rehab right. and come back or something. So to me, it and I could be wrong about this, and I'm not trying to accuse the guy of anything because I have no idea about anything. But I just assumed when I heard about this that that was a cover for something else. Like, let's say he, you know, did something really bad when he was drunk bes- right. besides a DUI. Like, let's say he hurt, really hurt someone else when he was drunk. So then they send him to rehab. So he's got a cover for if that story comes out, then they can say, oh, okay, well, you know, he's getting help for being drunk. And that's the only reason he did this other bad thing. Because if it's just that he was drunk, now DUI is a serious thing, of course, but if he didn't hurt anyone else and he just drinks too much, something doesn't sound right about that to me. So I'm wondering if there's something else that's going to come out. If nothing does, it turns out he was just had a drinking problem. It seems like a weird way for Dallas to handle that. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Unless they were just trying to protect his privacy, but I don't know. Something doesn't smell right for me, but if it's just, Hey, he had some trouble with alcohol and he gets cleaned up, then sure. Then there's no reason why he wouldn't be hired somewhere else. Sounds good to me. Also from the stars camp, um, this happened, uh, would have been on Wednesday, uh, New Year's Day. They had a winter classic game in Dallas at the old Cotton Bowl, um, a game between the Dallas Stars, obviously if the game's in Dallas, and the Nashville Predators. Corey Perry, who came over as a free agent in the offseason from Anaheim to the Dallas Stars, he got a five-game suspension for the elbow he delivered to Predators' Ryan Ellis during that game. My question, um, I have a question first or in a minute for you, but Perry was also ejected from that game, becoming the first player ever ejected from a Winter Classic game. I did not see the incident. I've seen it on tape, and I'm wondering... I don't know if you've seen it. I would imagine you've seen it on tape at the very least. But five games for Perry, too much or just right? Or not enough? I'd say just right, to be honest with you, because any less than that, and, you know, there's no there's no reason for the stuff that he does. Corey Perry's kind of a weird dude, and he's just not, I don't know, he's got a different moral compass, I feel like, in there. Like, there's something different yeah. with the way he's wired. And and so I think you have to kind of send the message. If it's something that's kind of questionable uh, and, you know, you could make the case, like, oh, he was trying to do something else, then that's fine. But in, in wide open ice, when a guy just walks up and elbows a guy, uh, you're just an asshole. And so I, I'm not going to feel bad for him. I mean, more than that might have been pushing it a bit. But, yeah, no, I'm, I'm going to say they actually got it right on that one. Sounds good. Well done, National Hockey League. Um I'm dedicating a lot of our programming today in this episode, and if you are just joining us, we so welcome you to this 442nd episode of Unscripted to the National Hockey League. A lot of things going on in the National League. Um, uh, This, I don't know if, well, it it did kind of surprise me a little bit, the news that uh, I found out about just yesterday, and that news being that uh, we had talked the last time we got together about this was at the time when the LA Kings decided to cut bait with Ilya Kovalchuk and you and I were wondering, we're wondering uh, who or, or whom or would anybody even pick this guy up. And it surprised me a little bit because even though Kovalchuk, I don't know how old he is now, doesn't matter probably older than he really is on his Russian passport. (laughs) (laughs) Is that racist? Yeah, probably. Um, No, that Russians aren't a race. That's true. Um, 
I was just surprised why at this point of the game, he's still guaranteed another year and a half of salary from the, the uh, Robitaille and Blake administration in Los Angeles. At this point, why does he, and I guess competitive juices, he's already here, whatever. But the news came out yesterday that the Montreal Canadiens had signed Kovalchuk for the rest of the season. And this is what really surprised me, to a two-way contract. So that means he can stay with the big club in Montreal, or if he's playing like crap, they can send him down to the minors, the AHL. And here's the, here's the funny part. Now, obviously, he's still getting paid by the LA Kings because he signed a three-year, $18.25 million contract with LA a year and a half ago. So he's still got money coming from those two yahoos. But ultimately, if Kovalchuk stays with the big club in Montreal, his contract is $700,000 in salary, which is the NHL's uh, veteran minimum salary. But if he plays like crap, like he has been doing in LA, I don't know. It'd be fun to see... um, I'll have a minute. I'll have a something on that with you for in a minute. But he either gets seven hundred thousand if he stays in the NHL, the veterans minimum, or if he gets kicked down to the American Hockey League, he makes only seventy thousand um, dollars. Good signing by Montreal, bad signing by Montreal, or just a very surprising, or whatever. Tell me something. But I was surprised by this. I think this reeks of desperation. I don't know that Montreal really needed this guy. I saw Montreal when they were here in Calgary a couple of weeks ago. They look like a playoff team to me, um, but I'm just interested to what you... And I really wish we had our buddy here, our LA Kings fan, because I'd be very interested to see what he had to say. But good signing, bad signing, shitty signing. What about uh, Kovalchuk to the Canadiens? Well, signing for the minimum and a two-way contract is mathematically the best thing you could have possibly hoped to do for, uh, you know, an aging sniper. And I can, I think, uh, speak a little bit for our buddy Ryan Hall, who said that he thought that Kovalchuk was actually trying harder than most of the Kings right. this year. Right, I remember him saying that, for which, sure. Which is not what you'd expect from a 40-plus Russian uh, dude who's seen his best days. But the fact is, you couldn't have possibly mathematically made this contract any better, which means clearly that Mark Bergevin was in the bathroom when it was signed, <laughs> and he clearly had his underlings doing all his work for him, and he came back and like, oh, sacre bleu, like, yay, life's easy, right? And so I, I have no problem with this. I mean, for the minimum, how can you go wrong for the minimum? I mean, what's he going to do? Like, do nothing and you send him to the minors and pay him nothing? Like, uh, it's hard to argue with this deal. And I mean, because the, the upside is unlimited. What if he can still snipe a few goals there? I mean, you're not paying anything hardly for him. So it doesn't even affect your cap because he's just a body. So, I mean, it's it's fantastic. I, I, I Even if he does nothing, it's impossible to criticize this deal for me. Do you think they'd actually send him down, though? Uh, I yeah, would think, why not? Yeah, I, I think... But, I would, you know, we've we've documented many times in this program that Bergevin's a bit of an idiot. But I would think that if he's playing that poorly and he's still getting paid from the LA Kings, don't disgrace him by sending him down to whoever their AHL affiliate is. It doesn't matter. I would just think that they would outright release him before they'd send him down to the AHL. He he must be okay with it. Uh, He wouldn't sign that contract if he thought it was a disgrace. You're probably right. I just think at this point of his career, when you're closer to 50 and you've, you know, you've done some good things in National Hockey League, I just think at that point, to avoid embarrassment, just go back to Russia and do whatever and shut the you-know-what up and just, I, I don't know. I just, I, I just find that funny on a lot of, and, and again, you're absolutely right, but I just find that to be a very 
very funny signing by both sides, really. I mean, why would Kovalchuk, who's still getting paid handsomely, to sit on the sideline by the Los Angeles Kings for the next year and a half? He could go back to the kindergarten hockey league and, and play for a couple more years. Why he's still getting paid by the Los Angeles Kings. I don't know. He clearly, what the hell do I know? He clearly feels he's got something to prove. He's got more money than he needs. He already went back to the KHL right. for a long time and Correct. clearly prefers to be over here playing for the big league. So that's that's clearly what's important to him. Well, I don't know. I just, I, again, I don't know. Um, so we have made it through the holiday season. Time to weigh in on some of the hot topics around the National Hockey League. And I want to see, I'm going to present you with about uh, three different scenarios right now. And I want to see whether you would be buying or selling on these topics. Again, we're just, uh, what, the All-Star Game is the end of January. So that signifies, schedule-wise, about the halfway point of the season. Um, You can really tell who the haves and the have-nots are already this year. But um, I have three topics here that I found on the National Hockey League website. These writers gave their opinions. And they wanted to know um, from these guys, and I'm going to ask you the same three things, and then ultimately, are you buying or selling on these topics? Topic number one, the Atlantic Division is loaded, but the Florida Panthers will finish with a top three seed. As of today, the Panthers are on target for 95 points, which would be good enough for that third seed in the Atlantic Division. Are you buying or selling on the Florida Panthers, led by, obviously, Joel Quenville? Boy, that is right on the border because as of right now, they are the first spot that's outside right. of uh, the playoff picture looking in. And boy, if you have to look at who they have to catch realistically, boy, that's, it, that, is, uh, that is right on the border of, uh, of, of a prediction there. They're just outside. They're one point away. But the thing is, Tampa's turning it on, so it's hard to imagine they're going to catch. Uh, the Leafs could collapse, though, for sure, which would help them out. Boy, that's, I mean, it's just an absolute 50-50 coin flip. I'm going to say I'm buying on that one, but just barely, just barely. I think the I think their best chance is a wild card, so they pretty much need to beat the Flyers or the Hurricanes. Uh I just barely buying. Sounds good. Um, second one, the Detroit Red Wings right now are the worst team that we have seen in five years. And this uh, writer believed that they won't reach 60 total points this season. Right now they are on pace for 46 points. Buying or selling on the Detroit Red Wings not reaching 60 points. There's no way in hell they would reach 60 points. <laughs> How could they reach 60 points? That's crazy. They'd have to, in order to reach 60 points, they'd have to play as well. So what would they need? They, they're 23 points right now. So they would need 37 points. They'd have to... Start playing better. Well, geez. So they'd have to go... So basically they'd have to go like 16, 20, and 5 from this point out. Or about or 42 games around. So let's say 16, 21, and 5. They'd have to go. And right now they're 10, 29, and 3. That's no, no. You know, it's amazing the job that Steve Eiserman has taken on here. I mean, obviously he worked wonders in Tampa Bay. But this is going to be the ultimate rebuilding job. And this is, I think, the residue. And correct me if I'm wrong, but I think this is, my opinion is, I think this is the residue of making the playoffs 25 years in a row. You're always drafting in the lower echelon or at the bottom. You didn't have access to the real high elite end talent of the hockey draft for 25 years. 
And I hope that the Detroit fans give Iserman the time that he needs to rebuild it. He will do it, but they are going to be really ugly to watch for a couple of years as they get their, you know, stuff together. But um, I would have to say that this is going to be one of the ugliest seasons in the history of the Detroit Red Wings. No mm-hmm. question. Mm-hmm. Final question for you, sir, on the buying or selling of topics to keep pace in the Metropolitan Division, the Pittsburgh Penguins need to keep starting Tristan Jerry in goal over incumbent Matt Murray. Buying or selling? Oh, jeez. I don't make them easy. These are hard. Thank you. Man. I'd, uh, I'm selling on that. I'm not, I'm not trusting it. Now, when the Seattle expansion comes in... Boom. If there's one team that understands this, it's the Pittsburgh Penguins because they... Lost Mark Andre Fleury to keep yep. Matt Murray, and yep. you know we know how important that that's been. The number one key to Vegas's success has been Fleury. Oh. So once that's coming, and I don't know when that's coming up here, uh, at that point they'll have to make a decision, and then at that point they'll have to make Tristan Jerry the correct answer, correct, uh, unless they just find that he's you know not the real deal at all at that point. But for right now, no, you try to ride them both and you try to stick with Matt Murray, I would say. But uh yeah, going the future is Jerry, unless he collapses, um they'll have to, you know, maybe Seattle goes on to take Matt Murray and maybe they end up being great and the two expansion teams are great because they steal goalies from Pittsburgh. Who knows? But yeah, I wouldn't commit to Jerry just yet. Thank you very much. Now obviously I made mention of this earlier. Um, the biggest National Hockey League uh, snubs, the All-Star Game in the National Hockey League is coming up end of January. And they've already announced the rosters. They've announced four coaches. Um, I I don't know who the coaches are. It doesn't matter. Pick four. Um, but I want to go through what I think are three of the bigger National Hockey League All-Star Game snubs. And two guys, I th- or one guy for sure, I think is probably on this snub list just because of his reputation. And the other two, I'd be very interested to hear your opinion. We'll start with the two that I think are legitimate snubs. I think that it's a snub that David Perron, the left winger of the St. Louis Blues, is not on the All-Star Game roster. Yes, the defending champions have three players already represented at the game, but this guy happens to be the leading scorer of the team that is the defending Stanley Cup champions. I think Perron needs to be on the roster. 100% he has to be on there. Uh, Otherwise, yeah, you're trying too hard to keep him off or you're just too worried about too many guys from one team. But uh, what's the name of that uh, Green Bay Packers guard that didn't make it till he was like Jerry Kramer? Yeah, so Jerry Kramer. This is a Jerry Kramer situation right here. So, you know, just because one team has too many good players, too bad, they still deserve to make it. No question. I couldn't agree with you more. The second guy that I think is really a snub, Max Pacioretty, the left winger from the Vegas Golden Knights. Yes, he gets to play with Mark Stone, but Patch is quietly trekking towards a career season. He's on pace for 31 goals, 78 points, and 330 shots. Now think about it this way. With those 330 potential shots, that number would place Pacioretty third behind Nathan McKinnon and Alexander Ovechkin. Pretty heady company. I'm biased. I've said it a million times. I think that the left winger of the Vegas Golden Knights, Pacioretty, should be in the All-Star game. Yeah, I think there could be a couple cases of uh, bias against Pacioretty here because, number one, uh, Vegas might not be uh, seen as, you know, uh, taken that seriously uh, because it's, uh, 
you know, it's still an expansion team and maybe is even inspiring some resentment with some of the old writers or something like that, that they're just coming in there Great and doing point. so well. And then, of course, number two, you still have the Eastern bias. I know that they're picking Western teams, but the media is based in the East and they maybe don't see these guys as well. So they come up with their own way of doing things. and They're going to miss out on a lot of the nuances because there's just no way they're watching as many Vegas games as they are watching Rangers games or right. anything else. So for both those reasons, I think that would explain the bias against Pacioretty and the Vegas Golden Knights. Now, this guy, we chuckled about him uh, before we started recording today. And I think this guy is probably more because of reputation than anything else. But um, I wanted your comments on that. Brad Marchand, left winger, Boston Bruins. Only Connor McDavid and Leon Drysaddle have more points this season than Marchand, yet Marchand isn't even on the last man in ballot. Is this because he spits on people, he's a bit of a moron, he's, a, he's an antagonistic little prick out there, but he is a good hockey player, and he's playing on one of the best teams in the National Hockey League. But I find it funny for a guy... That is only behind Connor McDavid and Leon Drysaddle in regard to points already this season. Yet he's not even on the last man in ballot. Um, I think that maybe some of his antics on the ice have maybe cost the left winger from the Boston Bruins. Well, there's no other explanation at all. When like the number three scorer in the league, I mean, the league is really being dominated by a couple of uh, dynamic duos, as they say. Connor and Leon and Pasternak and right. Brad Marchand, right? So right. Uh, there's no question that he's an all-star based on his scoring and his play. But because he's such a piece of shit, he's missing out. And I'm really conflicted on this because he should make it based on his numbers. On the other hand, I'm glad that he's, uh, you know, being sent a message that, hey, you stop licking people and spitting on them and just being an asshole. And I love all that. But at the same time, I don't like when you know, a cabal of old men gets together and dictates the universe. I don't like that. But boy, in this case, I mean, it couldn't happen to a nicer guy. Right. Right. And so it's it's hard to feel sorry for him. He made his bed and now he's laying in it. But at the same time, I mean, in a world of justice, he deserves to make it based on his performance. Well, I have to agree with you, but I, I do think that some of his antics have probably obviously in this regard, have come back to bite him in the ass a little bit. I'll still sleep fine tonight. Don't. Oh, for sure. Don't, no don't, no don't question. Wrong, yeah. Before we get out of here on this uh, 442nd episode, just a bit of uh, news and notes to pass along. Um, haven't talked a lot about the NBA, and that's fine. Um, but I do need to make everybody aware, and I think everybody is anyway, but just doing my due diligence. Leading vote-getters after the first tabulation of the popular votes for next month's NBA All-Star Game in Chicago... It's no surprise Giannis Antetokounmpo leads, is the leading vote-getter by a healthy margin in the East, almost 600,000 votes ahead of Joel Embiid of the Philadelphia 76ers. But it's not LeBron James leading the West. LeBron James is second. Guess who's first? In the West? In the West. And it's not his teammate, Anthony Davis. It's not Kawhi Leonard or Paul George. James Harden? It's not James Harden or Westbrook from Houston. No, it wasn't Westbrook. Boy, who is the popular one in the I didn't even look at this. Oh boy, it's not someone on Portland, is it? Nope. Dallas uh, Mavericks. And it's not Kristaps Porzingis. Who is it? Luka Doncic. Oh, well, I've seen a bit about him lately. Why is he so popular? He lately? is an unbelievable basketball player. What he does at the age of twenty or twenty-one is just 
unbelievable to me. He's an unbelievable passer of the basketball. He's an unbelievable shooter of the basketball. And I believe off the top of my head, he's almost six feet, 10 inches tall. And um, they're calling him the white Giannis. Um, (laughs) He's an unbelievable basketball player. He's made the Dallas Mavericks. You put him and Porzingis together. Dallas is a legitimate playoff contending team this year. And I'm happy to see that somebody besides LBJ is leading the West in uh, the votes. It's nice to see this young man is uh, an unbelievable young player. And again, I can't believe some of the things that he does at the prime old age. He can't be more than 21. He might even be 20. I don't know. But an unbelievable job. And Luka Doncic is the number one vote getter after the first tabulation of the popular votes for next month's NBA draft. Luka Doncic leads the West over LBJ. And again, Giannis leads in the East with a comfortable 600,000 vote lead (laughs) over uh, uh, the center, Joel Embiid of the Philadelphia 76ers. And the reason that that's important, if you remember last year, they kind of tweaked the All-Star Game format where the two leading vote-getters, last year was LeBron and Giannis, they take the leading two vote-getters and then they pick teams. Excuse me, they pick teams. And so Giannis obviously is going to be picking a team. And right now, between Luka Doncic and LBJ will still be there. Uh, Kawhi Leonard might still be there. Paul George might still be there. But right now, week one in, Luka Doncic is your leader in the clubhouse for the Western Conference's uh, all-star voting, whatever, 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 amen. We've got to run on this 442nd episode of Unscripted. As always, we like to thank you for participating and hope that you certainly continue to do so. Having said all that, for the executive producer of Unscripted with Mike and Chris, Mr. Chris Fluke, I'm Mike Jansen. Until next time.